0: MFS, What the fuck is going on in this world? It's days like this, I wish we aired live, because I do fear the commentary becomes stale by the time we air a week late. But so it happens, can't predict the future, can only talk about the past, and definitely don't shy away from my opinions. If you don't know about that about me yet, you haven't listened to this program before, but we appreciate that you do. We certainly welcome contrary views, but it's heartening to know there aren't so many of them in the concert industry. Although, of course, I do believe there's a bunch of them out there. I can't understand why. I know they're there certainly welcome them to chime in love to have one on the program love to uh really have that conversation dig deep because uh preaching to the choir is really what i'm about but i mean i can only say it like i see it before we jump in i do want to say it's been three episodes without him so i just want to bring out first and foremost my good brother banks welcome back Oh,
1: it is so good to be back! Thank you, thank you, thank you. I've missed you guys. Missed you guys.
0: Well, we miss you anytime you are not around. We love the sound of your voice. I don't hear jangling of a breakfast cocktail. Uh, there it's there's a.
1: It's, I don't have a glass. They have a plastic cup this morning, so there's there's some noise though.
0: Hopefully it's a washable plastic cup and not something that's disposable and polluting the environment.
1: Oh, no, it's definitely washable.
0: Well, welcome back. We appreciate you. As I say, we missed you. And from there, I mean, I'd like to say the world has changed. Certainly the news cycle moves fast, but it's still fucking Groundhog Day all over again. Same shit. Different name. Jacob Blake. Being the latest. Today's guest is actually a Wisconsin Badger, our second one on the program. And uh, that makes this one perhaps hit a little bit close to home for her. We will ask her views on that in just a few minutes when we bring her out on the program. But suffice to say, any views that she might espouse for us will be more than dear leader has said, because once again, That piece of shit doesn't have a fucking thing to say about it. I'm sure if it was a white guy, he'd be talking, but the fuck else is new. The RNC continues its theme of Opposites Week. Again, by the time we air, in retrospect, we will know the full extent of their delusion and denial as they spin tales of revisionist history for their dim-witted fascist base, just drinks the Kool-Aid like it's fucking blood of Christ. The one person that has actually said something about the situation in Kenosha is an aide for Vice President Dents, who called the NBA boycott absurd and silly. That is what we get from the Republicans. But he's not the only one, of course. We've got fucker Carlson out there saying, how shocked are we that 17-year-olds with rifles decided they have to maintain order when no one else would? He actually thinks that this 17-year-old was in the right. Well, guess what, fucker? We're not shocked. We're not shocked for a number of reasons. When you so hate in this country, when you scream law and order at peaceful protesters, when you support white supremacists, when you've created this idea that the Second Amendment allows for anyone that wishes to own any size firearm he or she wants, and then you bring the couple from Missouri onto your platform at the RNC, The couple that you may remember aimed guns at peaceful Black Lives Matter protesters just last month. You bring them onto the stage. Well, yeah, guess what? You're right, fucker. We are not surprised. Biggest fear I have is that this is what's going to happen post-election in November, regardless of the outcome. On a positive note, the NBA once again leading the way with their boycott, starting with the Bucks, Then LeBron and company joined in. Motherfucker Kyle, what you got to say about that?
2: Oh, that was mad respect. They needed to do it. it, And they need to shut the whole shit down. Just stop everything. All sports, all entertainment. There's nothing fun right now about the situation. Um, we need to entertain and reform and put sports down. Let's hit people in the pockets. So Let's make it make sense. The players shut it down. Cool, They got plenty of money. They fine. Now, <clears throat> the owners, the the sponsors, the commercial people, you know, we need to shut this shit down and make it sense. because at the end of the day, they think it means nothing. But in, these, in all these sports, especially basketball, I'm not saying it's All black, but it's majority black people in the NBA run as the athletes. So you got to respect them. You got to respect their voice. You can't just tell them to shut up and dribble. Well, we're going to shut up, and we're not going to dribble. Shit. But we're not going to shut up. We're going to talk, not dribble, and now see what happens.
0: Well, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. But again, by the time we are airing, which is projected to our listeners, today should be September the 3rd. We will see what has come back from it. I, and and I do have a number of things to say in response to to your statement just now, Kyle. Again, I agree with you completely. It's funny that the person that spoke up early first, before this whole bubble NBA playoff season happened, and everybody criticized him for it, it was Kyrie Irving who said this shit is a distraction
2: sure from what's going
0: on in the world. What's that?
2: Sure did. He he put it out there. He said, I'm not gonna do this. This is trying Zach exactly. is in this distraction from everything. And now it hit he, he's sitting there looking back at it like I told y'all.
0: Told y'all. I mean, maybe this makes up from his whole flat earth shit because it was a really fucking astute observation, and he is dead on. And kudos to him for that. And and again, the NBA leading the charge again, it was the NBA that shut down first coming out of COVID and said, we need to figure this shit out. It was the NBA who came up with this wide world of sports, you know, Disney bubble concept in the first place. Kudos to them. And in, in the wake of their decision, the WNBA followed major league baseball, canceled four games, major league soccer, canceled its games. The NHL didn't do a fucking thing. And I mean, I don't want to make a comment on that beyond the fact that, You know, stop being so fucking tone deaf and and wake up to the world. I realize that there's only like two black players in the NHL. But I mean, come on. like That's
2: why. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, it is. You know, you know, who's actually one of the two. Again, I don't even know that it's two, but there's only two that I know of. One of the two black players that I know in the NHL is actually the son of former NBA. I'm not sure the word is great, but I was always a fan. One of the funniest looking motherfuckers ever to play the game. But solid all around Popeye Jones. You remember Popeye Jones, Kyle?
2: Vaguely, not too much. Well, read a book. I'm just saying.
0: Anywho. Wow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> i okay, just because you happen to know one person Popeye Jones. Now you. All right. I'll let you hold it. Motherfucker.
0: So, women's tennis also postponed, which is noteworthy to me because number one player in the world, Naomi Osaka, actually made reference to the ongoing genocide of black people in America at the hands of cops. And kudos to her for saying that because, I mean, that's a word that is powerful, strong, and right on the fucking money as far as I'm concerned. And it is just an atrocity that uh, I I don't even know. I I mean, it's it's like, when does this shit end? And, And back to what we were saying a minute ago, Kyle, like the reality is you're right. I agree. The NFL needs to be strong. NFL, the NBA needs to be strong in their statement, shutting it down may or may not be the solution tech support Sam and I were having this conversation earlier about whether it makes more sense to resume play at some point in order to stay front and center in public consciousness or whether it's better not to and risk fading away but if you come back too soon Doesn't the news cycle just move on, and isn't it forgotten? What do you do? My understanding is right now as we are taping, there is an NBA Players Association meeting ongoing, which again will be a week in the rear view by the time this airs. But the question is, what are they going to do coming out of this? The big picture question, which is more of a timeless question and not specific to this news cycle, is what do we do moving forward in order to amplify all of our voices, all voices of people with much bigger platforms than than we do, people that really have an ability to move culture. And speaking of which, I'm still left wondering, where are the artists? And I know there are a handful that have spoken up, and the more I look the more I see what's going on. What's crazy is that very few of these voices are actually getting play in the media. I mean, the only two artists I can think of that the media have really picked up on are Taylor Swift and Cardi B. But meanwhile, Beyonce is active. She's written an open letter to Congress, specifically to the attention of Mitch McConnell and chuck schumer we've got jay jay-z who it's come to my attention i didn't even know this that rock nation has formed a division which is actually focused on social injustice in the world and kudos to him for that certainly ice cube two months ago in his contract with uh black america comes to my mind there are those that are making statements but very little of it is resonating that's the part that's i I don't get the very little of it is resonating springsteen speaking of i mean we're talking those are all black artists let's look at the white artists let's look at history the artists like springsteen and bono and all those who were actually getting press once upon a time for the work they were doing where are they springsteen apparently has spoken out on his radio show but we're not hearing it. Where where are the usual suspects? Where are the country artists there? Are they all afraid of getting Dixie-chicked? Is this like fucking what Jordan said years ago about Republicans wear shoes too? Are people afraid of fucking up their business? Leftsitz Bob Leftsitz has the most prominent blog in the music industry he's got a very popular podcast series i happen to be a big fan of his and listen and and agree with a lot of what he says and he also is is saying where are the artists but the reality is artists no longer have the platform or they no longer have the the capacity to move public consciousness the way they did in the 60s and why not I mean probably for the same reason that that music and music fans have become so siloed nowadays isolated such that your fans hear what you say and what you do but anyone that isn't a follower of you has no idea So again, to me, the larger question is, how do we come together? We've talked on this podcast about the idea of an industry board. We've talked about, and we use the word union, which may or may not be an appropriate or applicable idea. But the theory is, how do we come together? How do we come together? not only to create standards like we've talked about, to unite the industry as we've talked about, how do we come together and elevate the platform that we have, elevate the platform that the artists have so more people can start echoing each other so that the conversation can get brought forth into the public consciousness and that the power of music and musicians can once again come to the forefront of popular culture. Christine Dallas, any thoughts on that?
3: So, so many. Um, I don't Sheridan. know. I mean, you know, it's just uh, I struggle with this whole situation. You know, I think it's, it's beyond me why there isn't more active ad- activity and I don't, I don't know. I don't understand. I, I, I mean, just this week, I, I just can't get it together. Like, I think it's so disgusting what happened this week. I'm appalled. I'm proud of the NBA. I'm proud to see some people put their foot down. But it's still not enough. And I don't know how we make this change happen soon enough. And I struggle with it as I walk down the street and I see signs I don't want to see. And then I turn on the TV at night and listen to the bullshit that happens every night. This week, I don't know. I'm tired of the lies. I'm tired of people being horrible to each other. I miss our business. I miss working. I miss the pleasure of what we do. You know, it's not just our craft, but what we deliver to the people, the public. You know, and I don't understand why our superstars aren't collectively ganging together and demanding better, but... You know, I'm at a loss for all of it. I can't believe I've been on this planet this long and it's burning down in front of me. Effectively, I don't get it at all. But uh, yeah, I struggle with it every day. Like, what is the answer? I wish I had solutions, but I think definitely talking is a great start. And people are talking, and people are talking louder than they have before. And perhaps we—the time has come. But it just sickens me that.
0: It hasn't happened sooner. You know? Well, amen to all that. I agree completely. The time has come. Let's step it up. Everybody. Let's step it up. There isn't shit else happening in the concert industry right now. That's for fuck's sake. I was scouring Polestar again, as I do every day, to see if there was any sign of life in terms of what's actually happening. Not just the maneuvering behind the scenes, the, the conversation about how we might come back different, how Live Nation is realigning its business, how different people are moving into different avenues and appointments are being made for what business will look like down the road. I'm talking about what's happening right now. Who's doing what right now? There was one article today about an unknown singer-songwriter from North Carolina that's been able to monetize live streaming. That was the one article today about relevant concert industry live music business that is happening. Yeah, there are a few driving concerts here and there. There are live streaming events every day, but apparently none of it's fucking newsworthy cuz we're not hearing a fucking thing. Now I did hear that in France, they're actually going to be allowing business in venues up to 5,000 in capacity. But on the same day as that announcement, it was it came out that they'd had the single day highest number of new COVID cases since April, something over 5,000, which again just begs more questions in terms of. The moving target that we're dealing with here. My clients, Nora, Yar and Rosa that I've been talking about, based in the Netherlands, we just had a conversation with a television program we were going to be doing with the BBC in the UK. And we now might be postponing because of changes in alignment between entry and exit of the UK and who can and can't come in and all of that. So Europe is entering this next wave. Meanwhile, the U.S. seems to be on the downward swing of the first wave. I wish to believe Florida, as I understand it, has been you know, going down in cases instead of up for at least a few days. That's, that's a decently positive sign. Again, schools are just starting up again. Begs questions what's happening there. We're seeing more you know, reports of, you know, outbreaks in dorms, you know, UConn, University of Connecticut, not far from where I live, had an outbreak in one of their dorms in their first week back. So this shit's still going. No signs of stopping. It's going to be a while. Conversations all over about when we're coming back. Is it really 21? Is it late 21? Is it 22? The thing is, we just don't know. So in the meantime, let's fucking step it up and do something, we've said it before, we'll keep saying it, it's voting, which we've talked about, but it's also, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all of it, it's wearing a fucking mask and washing your fucking hands and getting out to vote in November, but it's also stepping up the conversation, it's also imploring people, not just the politicians, not just the athletes, but the artists and everyone, the business owners. were coming out of two days before the air date here will have been the readily alert restart. Hopefully the attention called to the live events industry will have made some impact. Michael Strickland continues to do what he's doing on Capitol Hill. Hopefully we are seeing some positive benefit, everyone needs to step it up. Everyone needs to come together. Everyone needs to take responsibility, take accountability, just fucking get off your ass and do it. Because if you're ever going to do it, now is the time. (laughs) And on that note, today's guest, as I mentioned before, was a University of Wisconsin Badger. Went to work at Loud Records in the early 90s. This is when I actually got my start at a label as well, but hers might have been a little bit cooler than mine. She was working with Wu-Tang Clan and Mob Deep. From there, she moved on to Motown, where she worked in publishing for a short time before... Moving on to Quincy Jones Music Publishing, Q is one of my all-time heroes, so I definitely want to hear about that. But for more or less the last 20 years, she has worked with a who's who as a tour manager, predominantly in the r and genre, working with Usher, Sia, more of a pop artist there, I guess, Mariah, Kelly Rowland, Solange, Kiss, Keisha Cole, on and on. So please welcome to the program, Terry Lynn.
4: Hey, thank you for having me.
0: Hey, thank you for being with us. And, uh, you know, it's a crazy world we're living in. So we appreciate your time. We appreciate the opportunity to connect with you, chop it up, hear your story. I know you've worked with Kyle. You've worked with Christine So, uh, always good to have friends of the program on board. And, uh, you know, I want to hear more of your story starting from the beginning, because obviously, uh, you know, you can tell it much better than I, and I'm sure I missed a lot, but I mean, do you have any thoughts first and foremost on the state of, 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 of Wisconsin?
4: Well, I do. I mean, it's incredibly disturbing to begin with. Um, I actually think Dr. Doc Rivers said it pretty, pretty damn well.
0: And what did Doc say? You know, Doc said
4: basically, you know, we, um, we as, as I'll paraphrase, but basically he said, we as black people, you know, give everything, but don't get any love back. You know, it's black people are being hunted. And it's crazy because, you know, I'm sure everybody, Kyle, everybody on this call, constantly ask yourself, when is this going to stop? What is it going to take?
0: Well, you're right. And and we hope that tipping point is coming. Chris Weber also just said something to the effect of, we know nothing's going to change. We get it. MLK got shot. We've seen this in all our heroes, constantly taken down. We understand that it's not going to end. But that doesn't mean young men shouldn't keep doing what they're doing, specifically speaking in reference to NBA players, applauding them for their efforts. And uh, it's going to be the young people that lead the way.
4: I mean, it's strange because you see all the young people in the protests and then you see this 17-year-old kid that comes in there and probably could have done a lot more damage. Um, And he's so left. Like, it's crazy.
0: Exactly. 17-year-old kid. Kenosha, Wisconsin, which, which, mind you... For a little geography lesson, Kenosha is basically, and, and you probably know this much better than I, Tara Lynn, but, but it's basically halfway between Milwaukee and Chicago, just a, yeah. a, a few miles over the Wisconsin border. So for people thinking this is like backwards, middle of nowhere, northern territory, it's not. It really isn't. It's, it's not. For, Milwaukee to Chicago is, is what? An hour and drive. a half. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's super
4: short. So we're talking Milwaukee's midpoint between Madison and Chicago. So Milwaukee's like right in the center.
0: So basically Kenosha's is almost a suburb of major cities. It's, it's really not middle of fucking nowhere. Like these are educated people. And this 17-year-old kid thought that he was being a fucking militia member, doing the right him. thing with his semi-automatic weapon, just firing into a crowd. Where did he hear get that semi-automatic weapon?
3: But also his mother drove him there. That's what's what? coming out in the news. No, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it's disgusting. Beyond.
4: I mean, listen, this administration, like, I don't even want to get started with it. It just perpetuates hate.
3: Exactly. exactly.
4: <laughs> and until they revamp the whole way, they, they got to do something about the police union who has so much power until they, you know, and the other thing is not only voting in this election, but people have to vote in their local elections. Yes. Local, local, local.
0: Yes. You are. You're actually not the first to say that, but I appreciate you bringing it up. I mean, it, it, you're you right. You want to make I, a
4: change where you live. It's the only way.
0: It's all of it. It's, it's all of it. It starts, I mean, leadership definitely starts at the top in terms of the national voice, and Trump is a fucking idiot, and the worst thing that's ever happened to this country, as far as I'm concerned, but you're right. We have to be mindful of the mayor. We have to be mindful of the governor. We have to be mindful of the district attorney, all our selectmen, senators, et cetera, every one of those elect. We have a personal responsibility, every one of us, to know I mean, it's one thing to be in the back of the tour bus talking shit, but it's another thing to educate yourself and to know where the issues, what the issues are, and to be able to articulate your perspective and vote your conscience. It's an unbelievable stat that, the majority of Americans actually vote against their best interest. I mean, it, it's it's the Republican mantra to a T. I mean, if you're not a billionaire, why the fuck are you a Republican? They yeah. are not on your side. I, 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 I'm increasingly of the perspective, and I didn't used to be a super liberal Democrat. I consider myself primarily independent. But again, in this day and age, you need to stay, take a fucking stand. And the reality is the Democratic Party is the, rep- is the party that represents the American ideal, the American concept of a melting pot, the American concept of everyone has a chance to thrive. And the Republican Party under Trump is increasingly just a fascist fucking operation. And the sad reality, sad reality is they're much better at politics than the Democrats are, but they are not a party that represents the interest of America. And yet red states that consider themselves the truest of the true red-blooded Americans, they all vote. Republican against their own self-interest and the underlying factor, let's be honest, it's racism. Yeah. So off my soapbox, appreciate (laughs) you agreeing. Terry Lynn, welcome again. Tell us a little about your story. Let's let's actually move on from the state of the world because 10 years from now when somebody's listening back as much as we want them to understand history as we see it and not just the way the revisionists tell it. We'd also like them to know who you are, where you've been, what you've done and what message you have for us, for them, for future generations of this business. But let's start again from the beginning. Please talk to us.
4: Oh, the beginning. Beginning was loud records. Um What a crazy time, the early 90s. Crazy, crazy. Um, I had no intentions after college. Music was never, it it wasn't a thought in the back of my mind. And uh, I met Steve Rifkin, and he's like, you got to come work for me. And I was like, nah, not interested. Don't know a thing about the music industry. And he just wore me down. And at the time, I was in Santa Barbara. When I moved from, from, I went from college, then I, I was in Chicago for a while, and then I just showed up in Santa Barbara where my mom had moved. So it, it got me to LA and spent years there. It was an incredible experience um, working with Wu-Tang, the alcoholics, Mob Deep, Exhibit, you know and it was a startup label so it was pretty crazy because we were all doing everything and Wu-Tang and and at the time I think the alcoholics were bigger than Mob Deep at first and
0: yeah it was just a crazy road so I mean I'm sure it's obvious and will be obvious to all before we're done here but respectfully why did Steve pursue you so vigorously?
4: You know, it here's the thing. Um, Steven's best friend was dating and later on married one of my best friends. So we were always hanging out. And he was like, yeah, you need to come more. I I don't know what I don't know what he saw in me and I ended up assisting how I started out was his best friend, this guy by the name of Rich Isaacson, um, who I absolutely adore. Was like, yeah, come be my assistant. And I did not know the first thing. And he's like, you got to figure it out. Nobody's going to hold your hand. There's no handbook. Figure it out. Be resourceful. And, you know, everybody knows Kyle, Christine, you know, that's, you got to figure it out. Nobody's going to hold your hand.
0: Ain't that the truth? Yeah, although if you don't
4: figure it out somebody's gonna come right behind you. It's it's competitive. And you know, back then, think about it, everybody's willing to work for nothing because they wanna work in the business. That's
0: right. That's right. We've we've talked a lot about the importance moving forward of actually increasing the opportunities for mentorship in order to Get past that, but but the fact remains the same. You you have to be a self starter. You have to be able to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and and make shit happen because nobody's just going to hand it to you. And there are people who are willing to do it for free. That to this day there are any number of management companies, it, management companies in particular, frankly, um, in the L.A. area that are that pay people peanuts. Labels also pay peanuts. I don't don't agree with that at all. Oh, yeah? I don't agree with that.
4: Tell me what. Because it's, it's, you know, it's enslavement. The agencies do it. They all do it. They pay people peanuts. And for an opportunity to work, 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 I think that, you know, people will work hard and you don't have to pay them peanuts. Matt. They're happier. They're much happier people.
0: Now wait a second though. I, I I'm. It feels like you disagreed with me and then said the same thing I did. That a lot of people do pay peanuts. They
4: do pay peanuts, but
0: I don't agree with them paying peanuts. Oh, I am not saying I agree with them. I was agree, I I agree with you there, yes, Kyle. You do, you
2: do agree with paying peanuts.
0: No, Kyle, you always paint me into that corner, but you know deep down that might be the role that we play on this show. But that is not the case. I believe in a thriving economy. I believe in a thriving industry. I believe in fair pay for fair wage. But I also, fact, truth be told, if somebody comes to me and says, "Hey, I'll do this job for eight hundred dollars a week," I mean, I'm not going to talk. You you should. You know what?
2: I can't pay you that money. That's terrible money. Let me give you $3,300 a week. <laughs> right. Because fucking. If, if you want to see them thrive, $800 a week, yeah, I'm going to take that $800. That's foul. That's whack. Your son wouldn't work for $800 a week and he's 12.
0: My son's 10. And you're right. He wouldn't. And right. I, no, but I, listen, I, I agree with you. I actually would sooner not hire that person. And get someone that is more qualified because I believe, you know, you get what you pay for. But, again, what I started to say before you so rudely open your fat trap is that, <laughs> sorry, um, mm. is that mentorship to me is the future. Giving opportunities to younger people. I agree. Bringing them up early and going from there. But I'm sorry, Terry Lynn, please proceed.
4: No, I agree. I love to mentor, you know, mentor kids that are interested in this. And um let them see if if you want to get into this, this is the dedication it's going to take. This is the these are the sacrifices it's going to take. 100%.
0: 100%. So, you're at Loud, you move into publishing, I mean, I, I'm curious two things. One, of course, I said before, Q is one of my all-time heroes. I'm curious about that experience. But I'm also curious how the you know, the startup experience really informed your perspective and your process. Moving forward again, I started as an independent myself where i mean it was I was at a company called Ricoh Disc USA. I interned there for a little over a year. I realized quickly it was not where I wanted to go for the rest of my life. I realized that at a small at the time it was actually the largest independent record label in the in the country there were twenty five full time staff or something like that. They had you know all of the divisions standardized, but at the same time, everybody saw everything there was you know tons of overlap and you really do in my opinion learn the importance of really hustling to make it happen for yourself but i mean how did that experience inform and influence your perspective moving forward as you moved away from record labels
4: well you know after doing the whole record label thing for a while i i knew it wasn't the same thing i knew it wasn't the direction i wanted to go to and it <laughs> Honestly, it was kind of, it just fell in my lap. It was a natural progression. Having worked at Loud and done, you know, everything, being out on the road with Wu-Tang, Mob Deep, the alcoholics, and then going to New York, working at Motown during the Andre Harrell days um, was amazing. And then I was like, I don't want to do New York anymore. I want to be back in LA. And I called Steve Rifkin. I said, Steve, can you get me back to LA? And he's like, yeah. And he literally called me a week later and he said, pack your shit. You're going to work for Quincy. And I ended up working at Quincy's label. I worked for Jay Brown. Everybody knows who Jay Brown is. And yeah, so I worked under Jay Brown and it was kind of just a natural evolution. It was when technology was kicking in and... The labels didn't believe it was ever going to kick in. And I was like, I don't really see myself staying in this corporate arena at all. And I had um, a friend who was really good friends with Johnny Wright. She introduced me to Johnny and Johnny hired me to be out on the road with his opening acts, starting... Um, on the Britney Spears tour and then out with NSYNC doing his opening acts. And that's really like how it really, you know, started. Like between Steve Rifkin and and Johnny Wright.
0: Those are some big names right there. And great guys. And great people, great people. Jay Brown among them. I I mean, you've definitely, uh, you know, touched greatness. I love that. So, I mean, I'm assuming that your road experience that you picked up while at the label uh, with Wu-Tang, what have you, you know, kind of gave you some perspective on, on life on the road. Uh, I, although part of me wonders, like, you've got to have crazy Wu-Tang stories. And I don't know if oh, you can man. share any of this right now, but I, you got to wonder who, who, what kind of masochist decides they want a career after, on the road after being out for with Wu-Tang for a while.
4: I mean, it was pretty crazy. I think, I think I'll think i share one story that's actually shareable. Um, but we were in New York flying back to L.A. And this was when Old Dirty was alive. And none of them flew first class, right? We're all in coach. And he had a boombox with him. And he turns it on. And starts singing Distant Lover, Marvin Gaye, Distant Lover, as loud as he can. And would not turn it off. And people, I don't know why they were terrified of him. He was the nicest guy, right? So when we landed, the police were there waiting for us. Arrested him. Just crazy stuff like that. Like, I mean, the 90s were crazy to begin with.
0: Well, I'd imagine moving on to the opening acts for Britney and in sync was actually a much easier road than to be traveling.
4: I mean, it's a different road, you know. They were I was working with a girl group called PYT. And they were I don't they were know <laughs> Were they? Yeah, I'm <laughs> uh, they were cute girls. Um They were cute girls, uh, just had no idea, you know, five girls, parents, on the road, it's a lot, on one tour bus.
0: So, Terry, I mean, I, I want to dive deeper and hear more about yeah. these early you know, trials and travails on the road. But, but before we move on, I actually want to ask one more kind of label question. I mean, you were there, again, you referenced kind of ad, the advent of the Internet becoming you know, a bigger thing. And, and I also, in my limited capacity and for a limited time at the label I was at, I mean, I was for a minute there the only one there who knew what the Internet was. And Weird. they started saying, oh, can you run down this information and that? And and at the time, a lot of the information was not qualified information. It was not, you know, trusted sources. There was a lot of this idea that you couldn't trust the information on the internet. And 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 it was rightfully so, because none of it was regulated. It's barely regulated now. Um, but you were also there, I'm assuming right around the time of like Napster and, and Yeah. So, so- yeah, Please.
4: I was, and my brother um, had started the whole new media division at at MTV, and it was Napster. It was I don't know if you remember Rioport, hmm. um, but it was the labels. They they didn't think that the the new media they they never imagined it would take off, and I remember hearing that all the time. Like, yeah, nobody's really interested in that. And in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, this is going to grow so fast. And people are going to be looking for jobs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I mean, still the state of labels as it is today. It's going, it's going to be, at some point, I would imagine labels will be in a, the new labels will be the Walmarts and the Targets. Because
2: mm-hmm.
4: the labels as we know them today, I think that at some point they're going to be obsolete. It's certainly that, be Amazon. Yeah, it's certainly listen, it's certainly not going to be the the labels how we knew them back in the day.
0: Well, I mean, they've talked about the fact that they, you know, the, the all-encompassing they, because I can't speak specifically, but there's talk that the labels that thrive now, they thrive off catalog for the most part. So, so you know, that does align in many respects with what you're saying about becoming more of a big box shop. And, uh, but, but I'm curious, I mean, I'm t- can you take that statement a little bit further? How are they like Target, Walmart, Amazon?
4: They're doing all their own music stuff. Artists are doing independent deals. They're not necessarily going to the to the labels anymore. You have your big artists, you know who have their own deals. but how about all the new artists up and comers that are just putting out their their stuff themselves?
0: Hmm. All right. So if that happens then to my question before about establishing a platform for artists moving forward, any thoughts on how we do that? I mean, here's the thing. It's back in the day you
4: had your A&R, right, at mm-hmm. the labels. Now when you're doing projects, the project's got to be complete. The same artist development isn't around. Mm-hmm. So it falls It falls. Either on your managers, and management has to have the money, or if you're going, or big companies like Amazon, who are going to do
0: deals. Walmarts, Targets. Yeah, well, that all speaks to the decentralization of music, which again is what I'm wondering how we can overcome, how we can get past what we can do moving forward in order to kind of bring them back together and and create more centralization. I don't expect you to have the answer. I'm just curious your thoughts because I agree with. I don't what know what saying. the answer to that is. I know that technology moves so quickly,
2: so I'm I'm not really sure what the answer is to that. We need to bring back to A and R so we can develop these artists to be better artists because stuff now. Everything is so fast, fast and fastest. I mean, artists are putting out records, two and three records a week, and yeah, you YouTube. YouTube. I mean, it's like, and, uh, and the, the quality of, of stuff has gone down immensely. So we have to bring the art back to this stuff because, it's like, there's what artist now is writing anything that you can play three months from now that's still banging. I mean, there's no longer timeless music. We need to get that timeless stuff. And not saying everything has to be dreamy and sleepy, but you could bring a record back. You know, we need timeless records. We don't have those anymore. Everything is a a 30 second of fame. And you make, you know, now what are they saying? Gold is the new platinum. Anything, you know, so so somebody flatlined. Sorry about that. (laughs) So it's like we have to bring back the true artistry now I mean I mean I get even from back in the days where you know a lot of music kind of sort of sound the same but it was still musical now it's just you know a two and a half bar loop and a bunch of people that you can have understand what the hell they're saying and it's just and it's not just my age talking it's the fact that you could play records from there are records that you could play 20 years ago and still rock a party today with the music that's out now, if you rock it 20 years from now, it just, you you probably make the party stop. We got to, we gotta you know, bring the excitement back in music.
1: But
0: that's I'd because like to of tell technology.
1: you,
0: um, <laughs> Go ahead, Chris, keep going. I was going to
1: say, that's because of technology. You know, you even talked about the advancement of the internet. I mean, the reason why we don't have that anymore and why labels and all those things are crumbling is because of technology. Yeah, You know, the, the, the focus is now on a viral dance to go with these songs, you know, TikTok, because can it can be played on TikTok? Can we do a challenge? Can we do something that has nothing to do with the music, but more so just getting it out there for people to dance to? But not in a good way to where we're grooving and we're enjoying it and we're listening to the lyrics. It's just how viral can I get? You know, that's that's the focus now. It's not the well, quality.
0: It's in it's the well, that's, that's part of it. I mean, I, and you're 100% right. And I mean, again, my client, Nori Yarn and Rosa, we get like 10 inquiries a day for, can we throw money at you to create a dance for this? It might be more than that. It's, it's ridiculous. You're right. It is short-term gratification. It is the way the internet works. It's the availability of technology for people to be making music on their own. But none of that changes the fact that people are simply not making music that is timeless and memorable that way. I mean, we say nobody is, but thats it's not actually nobody. Well, I, go yeah. ahead,
3: oh, Well, I just need to interject and say there are other genres of music that, you know, they just, it's a different sound and they are still using the same old standards to live by.
0: Well, I mean, in those other genres, I've got one example in my head, I'm thinking of, of someone that is currently Doing something that a music that could be timeless, but who are you thinking? Anyone? So
3: many singer, I mean, I'm not offhand, but just like singer songwriters in general. I mean, there's a whole slew of them. Um, you know, that just you know, everybody from Bob Dylan. I mean, you name it. There's a sound there. There's different kinds of sounds that I think speak to that timelessness. Versus, but I definitely agree with what you guys are saying. I mean, there's a there's other genres like the modern TikTok sound. But yeah, there's not much to hold on to, and it is just that. But it's also, you know, we're handing kids digital equipment or, you know, computers at two years old. So I don't think their their appetite for anything is much less than what we learned to appreciate things, you know? It's a different well, world.
0: I, I think that that stands to reason. I think that's true. I, I think it would be wrong to say that no one in hip-hop is making – well, maybe nobody is, but I don't think nobody is capable – or that they are all incapable of making music that isn't timeless. Honestly, the artist in my mind that is creating, that is contemporary, but creating timeless music is Adele. Um, But... It's, she's not the only one. I'd love to tell you Beyonce is making timeless music, but I don't think that she is. I think Kendrick's All Right is a good example of a song that will carry through, you know, will sustain over time or or can or may. Um, I, I think that there are very few examples. I don't think that it's fair to discount the genre. I think that more people need to just step the fuck up and make better music. B- kids listen to, to to drivel. That's, you know, flash in a pan. You know, my 10 year old, he's constantly listening to, you know, when he's listening to rap caviar or whatever. And yes, I let my 10 year old listen to rap caviar. Fuck off. But I mean, but, you know, most of that music just moves so quickly. I mean, he loves Accentation, still, you know, a couple of years past from his death. He loves Juice World again, he, uh, also recently passed, rest in peace. Um, but there are very few of them that are making music that withstands the test of time. My favorite current hip-hop song. It's WAP. <laughs> no, it, it's not, but it is Megan The Stallion. It's Girls in the Hood, which, of course... Is a remix yep. of Boys in the Hood, so it's. I mean, to me, that that track is just. I just. It's just killer. The first time I heard it, it's like, wait, what? It's fucking crazy. Tell anybody else. Am I right? Am I right? Or am I right? It's a good
1: record. I mean, because because it, it's it's going back to that timeless sound of people chopping up records that you grew up listening to. Exactly. That's that's the issue. Like with the whole industry right now, is that the people that are putting on music aren't historians of the past. You know, like I grew up listening to my parents play timeless records. And when I got into hip hop, listening to hip hop records, especially, I mean, with loud and mob deep and the Wu-Tang, you listen to all these crazy samples that are being chopped. And it's like, yo, I remember that record. I know what that record is. And technology has made it so that anybody with a laptop can take somebody else's beat pattern and create something, but there's no, foundation from where it came from
0: you which know, of you course what makes dr dre so great right because he's actually sampling classics that's
1: what i'm saying yeah actual I, records i
0: agree completely it's funny to me though that this i mean girls in the hood to sample easy e and make it relevant right now i just think it's brilliant i just think it's brilliant anyway Moving on from that, unless anyone else has anything to contribute, I'd love to hear somebody else tell me who else is making contemporary music that is timeless. I, I, I'd love to hear it. I'm always open to that.
1: I wish I could hear it too. <laughs> we don't have music in the schools, though. That's the other thing. I remember we don't having have PE in the schools. Anymore. Yeah, everything yeah. is on the couch. was whack. Yeah. People are too busy. Like, I mean, I play records for my daughter all the time, you know, and I remember coming up, we had music class. We had several different options for music class. There was piano. There was wind instruments. There were string instruments. There was all kinds of different things and all that's gone. You know, yeah,
0: I think, on. you're right there. Education, music education schools has been disappearing for years. We are to the point now that if a kid has, Chorus twice a week—that might be the best shot at any, you know, music education he he or she will ever get. And they're singing fucking pop tunes and and shitty, you know, musical like shitty tunes. Things that they know that's contemporary. They're not learning anything about where music comes from. They're not learning any great music. They the focus for the first half of the year is fucking like Christmas carols and bullshits. It's it's terrible.
3: Yeah, what is good? yeah <laughs> Let's talk about something positive.
0: So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, let's get back on track, <laughs> Terry Lynn. So, let's pick it up. So, you are out with uh PYT, yep. obviously taken from Michael Jackson. Um, and you, you know, you are, are touring with these young artists that are opening for Britney for uh M Sync. I'm sure these tours are gigantic eye like opening for you. Um, leads to more and bigger, you know, pick up your story from there. Tell us more about what you saw, what you learned, and what you did.
4: I mean, back, I figured, like, I, I didn't have a mentor. Um, you had to figure it out. I had a lot of cool friends on NSYNC, and, you know, I just, I figured it out. I think, like, most of us, we had to figure it out, and I did. And it just, it just, um Move forward. It was a natural progression. Just move forward from there, and was able to start to get out with
0: bigger artists. All right. So you do ultimately latch on with many bigger artists: Jada Kisk, Keisha Cole, Solange, Kelly Rowland, Mariah, yeah. Nicole Scherzinger, and obviously you are with Usher to this day. I mean, talk Usher to us about what, and what you learned. Talk too. to us. What's that? Usher and the B-52s. I've been with the B's for 10 years now. Interesting. That they I mean, talk about a little bit different from the rest. Talk to us about the difference in style and approach and and the, the commonalities and the things maybe you've you've learned from one that you apply to the other, however that may be.
4: Um you know it's interesting because I pretty much stay the same. My job is the same regardless what genre of music I'm working in with what artists I'm I'm working with. It's the same. So I, I don't deviate too much. Maybe my interactions with um, the artists are clearly different Um, and how I interact with them. If that's what you're asking, because some, some tour managers, You know, it just depends. Some tour managers step all the way back. I like to observe and see what their expectations of me are. Because I just like to do my job. (laughs) And that's run the tour. I don't need to be um, interacting with the artists all the time unless they want me to.
0: So when you say take a step back, you essentially mean... Hands off, not directly, you know, moving Mariah to the stage or what have you. But no, that, uh,
4: I, I'm, I would always be there for that. But you know, one person who did mentor me, which I'll, I'll mention, is is Michael Richardson, who has been with Mariah forever, and um, I learned a lot from him. But for instance, um mariah if she she pays people a lot of money to do their job, so you better make sure you do your job and if she wanted me front and center, I would be front and center otherwise I'm you know in my office organizing whatever has to be organized,
0: okay, okay, so every artist is different we every agree. artist is different every artist has their own expectations on level of basically personal involvement that you have. Yeah. Job remains the same in terms of you are responsible for moving mountains from place to place to place, as the case may be. Are you typically, are you primarily A party only? Are you working with B party? Are you, how much are you collaborating with C party?
4: So I collaborate with the production manager who handles all of sea party Mm -hmm. and with the larger artists, um, I have an assistant. I have a great assistant on usher. She's amazing. I couldn't do it without her. And most people like what they have to realize about tour management is it's so much like administrative stuff. You know, it's moving a lot of people around. It's, it's scheduling. It's the back and forth with the travel agents, um, the planes. You know, you're dealing with your security team. I mean, it's a it's a lot of administrative stuff. It's a lot of planning.
0: It's primarily administrative stuff. Yeah, I think that's the part people don't fully understand or appreciate. That tour management really is an office. Position at
4: It Art. really is. It's budgets. It's numbers, numbers, numbers.
0: And speaking of which, and because you get to have an assistant and deal with a production manager on Usher, that actually is fortuitous for you in that it allows you to stay away from Kyle, right? <laughs> Kyle, <laughs> do I
4: stay away from you?
2: Nope. I'm going to it. We go back I, to Mary Mary. We go back to Mary. Yeah. We started in gospel together. Yeah. So we got yeah. history, Matt.
0: I she was playing, motherfucker.
2: She understands how to pay.
0: <laughs> Sounds like she came you too much. Never too much.
2: So it's always balanced. Makes sense.
0: I think we need to move away from conversations about your compensation on every episode. Well, I mean, you bring
2: <laughs> it up in some way, shape, or form. So I, have to- I
0: actually did not mention money, nor do I usually. That is you. I reference you in jokes, but I am not the one who talks about your money. You are the one who is obsessed with talking about your money.
2: No, because money is what makes everybody happier. It doesn't bring happiness. It actually just brings comfort. So at the end of the day, I like my comforts as you you live on an island, literally. <laughs> so your ass is very comfortable. You can't pull up to your house. Literally, you pull up and you tie off.
0: That is not, I, I, I love that, that, that imagery. I really do. And if I could perpetuate that forever, it, I would not hate that. But it, it is not. You actual. don't have
2: a driveway. We have driveways. You have a dock. Yeah,
0: Wait, you boats, don't have a driveway,
2: and
1: deck shoes,
0: deck shoes. He's making this up. Yes, I I live on a small island south of Boston. <laughs> that is, it is connected to mainland by causeway. I mean, most people don't think of it as causeway. Yes, there is a causeway that can, it runs across a marsh that connects. A marsh. Uh
2: huh. As, as I was saying.
0: It, it nice. Is no, it is nice. not exactly the luxury that you describe, though. I certainly have neighbors that have very large docks and uh, and big boats. Don't
2: there. downplay your 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 comforts. Embrace them. I just want some more comforts. Nice. that's all. I just need mine.
0: You're you're creating a fantasy, which I don't necessarily, you know. I you say put I, I a smile.
2: The we can hear, microphone. we can hear the smile through the microphone. So you know you're comfortable.
0: It, it's a laugh, not a smile. <laughs> it, it's, it's a laugh. Must be nice. It's yes. It, it's it. it, it Jesus, <laughs> motherfuckers, moving on. <laughs> it is not quite the way Kyle paints the picture. And uh, we will try not to be talking about his money on every episode moving forward Two, That is my pledge. It's my wish. And uh, once again, Terry Lynn, this interview is yours. Let us get us, get it back on track. <laughs> oh my God. Movie. Hilarious. Good grief. <laughs> I mean, tell us more about this role as tour manager. Then tell us about some of the differences and some of the unique challenges you are facing in doing this administrative
4: job i mean i think like especially for kids who like think they want to be a tour manager and i i think it's a great field to get into i think that thinking that you you do get to see the world but you don't get to see the world so i don't ever get a day off i don't know christine if you ever get a day off
0: we uh I don't think any of us do
4: yeah, when you're out on the road, like for myself and my assistant there's there's no there's no like when the crew Kyle, you guys are out uh doing whatever it is you do we we don't ha- have that luxury,
0: well, Kyle does let's make no mistake you wants to talk about yeah, my yeah. Work. We, we keep it real,
2: I do have luxuries, I so guess. But I've worked for those luxuries as well, as Chris.
0: So you're trying to say that, Terry? Well, I've worked for those luxuries, I don't, my man. No, you, exactly.
2: you, you work for your luxuries too, but your luxuries come a little bit later in the evening. You know, when you sip on a, a glass of, you know, the red stuff and just... You know, yeah. But again, it's all about timing. Your timing is later, mine is earlier. So, you know, it's yeah. still,
0: it still balances out. I don't buy that. I'm not buying that. No, you get yeah. actual days off on tour that Terry Lynn just clearly articulated she does not. And that's
2: do. not true. When days off are on tour, and Chris and I are doing edits, working on other situations. I never have a
4: day off on tour. I've never had a day off
2: on tour. Gotcha. Well, I well, would when, echo. When, when you guys take three months off in, you know, Maldives to relax.
4: When is that?
2: I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah no. like, so you have to appreciate the fantasy that kyle has created in this world
2: yeah and, uh, it's reality to some people I know matt you're on an island literally we just talked about it. you try to downplay it and yet your neighbor has a 90 foot you know uh, uh baby yacht that's that has a, a baby helipad on it that you're talking about is is nothing
0: but yeah, did unreal. you hear me say either of those things? When was the last time you were at my house to see those things?
2: Well, first of all, I probably need FBI clearance to come to your house, which I will pass, but I've never been invited exactly i would, i would I would pull up though if I was invited, I'd show up you know I have you know the uh I fly myself to you first class, you know I wouldn't need you I wouldn't even need you to purchase me a ticket. Oh, you wouldn't need me to. No, because this is a relaxing time, you know. So I won't it won't be on your dime to be on my own dime. But yeah, I still fly myself first on my personal. So on my business, when I'm working with you, you need to fly me first, or business at least. <laughs> that, little, Glad little
4: we got that clarification.
2: You got to keep it balanced. I mean, if I could do it for so myself, good. the person who employs me has she be able to handle it?
0: Thanks. Jump in here, help me out, would you? I,
1: I don't know. I mean, I, I agree with Kyle. <laughs>
0: No, stop! <laughs> you people are ridiculous.
1: Hey, we're just telling the truth.
0: How do you fly, Matt? Which part of any of that was truth,
2: Matt? How do you fly?
0: Uh, on an airplane? <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's keep it real.
2: What's your seating arrangements?
0: It's whatever I pay for.
2: Which is typically, answer. <laughs> Terry, you're supposed to be on our side. Now you you flip-flopping?
0: That's a a good answer.
2: (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Whatever I pay for. Okay, okay, okay.
0: Motherfucker. Fine, there it was. Good grief. So... Terry Lynn obviously Kyle is not doing a very good job of selling himself on future employment opportunities but you certainly are. I mean let's keep it going. What other wisdom or you know can you impart for our listeners today before we wrap?
4: Oh man. Um I don't know if it's wisdom. I think I think it's a great field for anybody to get into. I think that You have to understand that, or you have to be committed, and committed to doing the work, which I find hard to find people, um, especially younger kids in their 20s, that really want to do the work.
0: Sad to say, I tend to agree with that. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, it is, and let's stick with that for just a minute. I mean, we're talking about, you know, Gen Z, post-Gen Z, or whatever it is, and the expectation, you know, the everyone gets a trophy generation. That's um, right.
4: Yeah, the ba- mean, having to ba- constantly need uh, the need to be validated.
0: And the need, you know, like Kyle chimes in about money all the time, the need to get paid you know, at a certain level before you've actually even done any of the work, which again, Kyle, I, didn't to say that was, I did you not know, mean to do No, no,
2: no, 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 no.
0: I put the work in before
2: I ever got a dime. I did so much stuff for free on my very beginnings that first of all, it's not free. What it is, you're being paid experiences. That's priceless. To be in the session, to be in the studio, to to be on the road, just learning and absorbing this information, that's more than you can get out. That's more than you get at any textbook. I do anybody can pay you. So once you are able to start making money, you have already you already have knowledge of things to do in, in case something happens. I'm all for internships and and learning beforehand before you get a dime because once you start getting that money, you're paid. To be known to know what you're doing not to be paid on the job to learn you should already you should already be an asset not a liability most of these young thundercats out here are complete liabilities come out of school I'm certified you're certified on shit that's 10 that's five years old you ain't current worth a damn so at the end of the day you need to have your asset here to get these life real life experiences that will work today will not work tomorrow why because you're in a different environment you're not in a controlled environment So, yo, I'm all about putting your work in and that in that internship for a few years and and don't get it twisted. You may not be getting paid for your pockets, but you're getting mental knowledge that could go with you
0: for a lifetime. So what do you say to all that, Terry Lynn? I mean, I mean, I, I,
4: I agree. Like, for me. I can't have someone out on the road who's inexperienced. I can't teach them as we go. It would have to be a situation where um, they're learning from our rehearsals. I couldn't take them out on the road necessarily. You know, it, it's just too fast. Um, it moves too fast. And I I can't micromanage someone. There's too much work to be done. And the last thing I think I want to do or, or anyone, Christine, you can vouch, is... Um, have to always check somebody's work so So you have to have confidence in whoever you hire to be your second set of eyes and that you trust them because you know it's it's hard work it's long hours and it's hard work and everybody makes mistakes
0: so then let me, let me just ask you this before we move on, because I'm curious. I, again, I agree with all that you're saying, but looking at the new generation versus the old generation, we've already talked about internships, mentorship, et cetera, but at what point do you know that a young person is ready, and when do you give them that first opportunity? Um,
4: I'm trying to think with my, with my assistant, who's actually our road manager now, Um but still helps me out. She was, so, she was so damn smart from the beginning and just jumped in there. And so I guess watching people jump in there and having the confidence to do that and not afraid to make a mistake, but let you know, hey, I made a mistake.
0: Okay. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah, you That's- always
4: got to own up to your shit.
0: <laughs> always. I am with you. Well, Terry Lynn, you've been fantastic. Great chatting with you guys. What's that? It's a great chatting with you guys. Hopefully we'll get back to work. Absolutely. Well, we're not letting you go just yet. Not just yet. We always move into our quick hits before we move on. Now, we did always reference, already reference your first tour, which was, I believe, one of the openers for Brittany. Was that PYT? Yeah. Copy that. And- Other than the stories you've relayed so far, can you give us a favorite tour or a best moment or experience you want to tell us
4: about? Oh, a best moment or experience. Yeah. You know what that would would have been was Obama's inauguration with Mariah.
0: Okay. That's a good one.
4: Yeah. I, I can't honestly like it was amazing.
0: What was amazing about it other than just being there?
4: it was it was amazing meeting the president and the first lady watching them do you know their first dance it was just a great experience uh seeing your artists happy um everyone was thrilled to be there your whole team is thrilled to be there
0: okay so yeah, it's
4: always bigger than you know that's the thing it's always like music it's it's a small piece of the puzzle like such bigger things going on in the world all the time.
0: Thus our commentary earlier on the reason to unite the artists and expand the platform to have a greater voice in all of that. Yeah. So if there's any one thing about the industry you'd like to see us do better moving forward, what is it? Um, I don't know. That's
4: such a broad question. We could go on for for hours about that.
0: Well, let's 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 narrow it down to five minutes. Um, <laughs> Feel free know, to go again. I'm I just think saying.
4: something, and and maybe Kyle. This was you. Was this you and I talking the other day about um, black crews? Yeah, we were talking about the hiring of more black crews and.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's where I would start. I think that's a good place. I'm with that. So we'll get you out of here on this. Do you have any shout outs or parting shots?
4: Um, let's guys, let's I, I hate to be a little political, but please go out and vote. <laughs> I can't impress upon everybody enough. It's why the idiots in that who's there in this White House now got into office. It's how he got into office. People didn't vote.
0: Exactly right. And I'm only sorry to think that you hate to to get political because I, I certainly don't hate it myself. I appreciate it. Um, we share that opinion. Kyle, any shout outs from you?
2: I want to shout out my son, who's during his second, third day of zoom school and he's having a good time he said it's different but he's officially in the fifth grade shout out to austin
0: all right banks
1: uh, i just want to shout out my family uh they've been amazing
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: they've been great and i just want to say thank you to them uh schedule's gotten a little crazy again, but they've uh, been holding me down, home-cooked meals, and had an injury not so long ago, and they've nursed me back to health, so I want to say thank you to them.
0: Now, wait a second. I'm offended. You never told us about this injury.
1: Yeah, I've, I fell down some stairs, Um, really messed up my ankle, my other knee, my shoulder, it's pretty jacked up. It was laid out for about a good week, wow, and a half. Yeah, still getting back to one hundred percent, but
0: yeah, yeah. How do we not know this? I, I'm not a person that talks about you
1: know ailments and stuff like that. Like if it's You're not, not it. family, I <laughs> it. that
0: is uh, <laughs> fucked up, motherfucker.
1: That's not, fucked yeah. up. It wasn't, I didn't have to get hospitalized, you know, it wasn't anything critical like that, so I, you know, I didn't, I don't sound the alarm unless it's something bad.
2: Sometimes you just got to pick up the phone off time and just say what's up to your brothers, and obviously you didn't.
1: <laughs>
2: Good <laughs> grief. Damn that! I hit him like, yo, what's up, man, what are we doing? We're going to get a beverage somewhere. I can't. What the fuck do you mean you can't? <laughs> <laughs> I fell down a flight of stairs. I was like. Damn. Okay. <laughs> Carry on. And oh, yeah. Checking in. <laughs> did I did I, did I, did that or did that not happen? That, that happened. That definitely happened. That definitely happened. That's, yeah. well, Apparently God, that's you, want an island, you could at least have your butler call Matt. At least call Matt. I have Mr. Lee on
1: the phone for you. <laughs> okay, so please, please hold for Mr. Walt.
0: This is some bullshit. <laughs> we
1: love you, Matt.
0: <laughs> well, Brother Banks, I hope I can work my way back into your circle of trust. Oh, my God. M- Motherfucker, Kyle, you are way outside of mine right now. You're going to have to West Coast. <laughs> and uh, Terry Lynn, I'm going to shout out you. I'm going to shout out my kids. I'm going to shout out our listeners. I'm going to shout out Sam and uh to terry lynn's point i mean we've said it before we'll say it again we are now two months away from this election please god get out and vote every one of you everybody that has a voice please use it
2: let's beat the electoral college this time
0: electoral let's beat the electoral college this time yes please i look forward to that i uh yeah, wear your mask, wash I also want to
1: say this too. I'm sorry, I do not mean to cut you off, Matt, but I know there are people out there, you know, that's kind of crazy, but I, myself, and a couple of my other associates, were helping shuttle people, you know, to the polling places and, you know, to drop off their ballots. We're going to do the mail-in ballots, but I mean, I implore people, you know, if you're willing and able and you can, you have a vehicle, I mean, reach out to people. Elderly people, all kinds of folks and just make yourself available. This is an important election and we definitely need to have our hands on deck. So hundred- think about others.
0: Yes. hundred percent. And we talked on the, uh, the special edition where we talked about the importance of voting with, with Bobby Schneider. We talked about if you don't know where your polling places are, if you are not registered and don't know what to do, hit us up, talk to us. If you want to talk to Kyle, I got a cell phone number for you anytime and, you know, get out, vote, do the right thing. Let's figure this shit out. Let's get out of this mess. Let's move on to better world. Let's move on to gainful employment again. To everyone that participated in Red Alert, we appreciate you. We appreciate, uh, we appreciate the efforts of everyone calling attention to what's happening in this industry, in this world. I hope by the time people are listening, you know, professional sports has uh, done more. You know, this situation in Kenosha is uh, improved, that we are on a course to uh, be the change. And on that note, thank you, all.